Are you lonely today? An encouraging message is right around the corner. 25 million Americans live alone. Doesn't matter your age, from children all the way, elderly people. 22% of people who ate dinner last night ate alone. This is a real problem in our nation. Jesus is offering the solution to it. It's not counseling that you need. He's saying that his love in us becomes a motivating force for us to be helpful to other people. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. You know, it's hard to fathom why God would want to have a relationship with us and love us. I mean, we bring nothing of value to the table, only filthy rags of unrighteousness. And yet, He still wants to be our friend and Savior. And that's amazing. We'll get into that today on Grow in Grace and see how we're to love God and others in return. Well, let's turn over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, hear what Pastor Ed has for us today. We're in John, chapter 15, working our way through the New Testament verse by verse. John 15, verse 12. Jesus is speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you slaves, literally, for a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify, he will speak 
of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for this insight into your heart and what you would have us be and do. Send your Holy Spirit to teach us now and to empower us that we might be able to do these things that you said. We ask that in Jesus' name and all of God's children agreed by saying amen. amen. Well, if you're just joining us, we've been working our way through John 13 through 17, which is called the Last Supper Sermon. It's one of four sermons that Jesus gave. First one was in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And then he did another one on the kingdom parables, and it's called that, the, the sermons of the kingdom parables. And then because he was on the Mount of Olives, he gave a third sermon called the Olivet Discourse or the Olivet Sermon. Now, because he's been in the Last Supper with his disciples, this one has been called the Upper Room Sermon or the Last Supper Sermon. And he's with his disciples, it's 12 men, with uh, Judas having gone, it's with 11 disciples now and him. And it's one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Gospel of John. It's loaded with quiet things that will jump out at you when you slow down and read it. You can read it real fast and it still makes sense, but it has some real nuggets in it. So it took place in this room. Some of you went with Pastor Greg there last year, and hopefully in 2024 we'll go again. John 13, the beginning of this sermon, was when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And then in 14, he talks about heaven, their home, your home, and my home. I go to prepare a place for you, he said. And then last time, in the first part of chapter 15, there is this discussion of a vine that Israel is the vine. They've left the upper room and they're walking across the city of Jerusalem and they're walking right past the front door of Herod's temple, the second temple. And on the door of it in solid gold was a sculpture of a grapevine because that is the symbol of Israel. God uses that picture over and over again. And Jesus refers to that again. Maybe they're still walking on their way to the Mount of Olives and walking right past this huge. They said the clusters of grapes on this door and around it were as large as a man is tall. And each grape on it was of solid gold. And so this is a pretty serious investment hanging on this side of the temple. But quite, they said it was a splendor when the eastern sun came up in the morning and it would blind your eyes because the rest of the temple was in white marble. So it kind of weaves its way into the story here and this vine and the branches gives way to this discussion about love that Jesus gives us an interesting command when you look at it. The section breaks up into four parts, love 12 through 17, and then the opposite 18 through 21, hatred, and then the responsibility of the Jewish leadership who were expecting the Messiah, but they totally missed that Jesus was him, 22 through 25. And then the Holy Spirit is a witness. He'll give you and I power to share our faith with other people, what God means to us. 
So that's kind of the summary. Let's jump in and see what God might say to us. Verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, John, the disciple, the apostle who wrote this, is called the apostle of love because he writes about the subject more than anyone else. In this place, he, of course, is giving us a direct quote from Jesus. He was there. He heard him. This verse bothers lots of people. How can love be commanded? Well, if you mean emotional love, you're right. It can't be commanded, but that's not what this word means. In fact, some people believe that Jesus coined this word. He was the very first to use it. The Greeks had three other words for love, family love, storge, and then best friend, phileo, and then romantic love, eros. But Jesus uses this word, agapos or agape, that is a self-sacrificing love that gives without expecting anything in return. That's hard to do because we're always looking at the angle. Well, if I help them, maybe they'll help me. And this word means the opposite. It means desiring the highest good for the other person. Working towards a benevolent action, because this is a verb. It's an action word. You can't say I love you and not do something when you use this word, agape. It actually requires you to act out something, active movement, a benevolent kind of behavior, an action towards another person. Now, we live in a country that's struggling in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that George Gallup, he's a guy that takes a lot of polls, recently said Americans are a very lonely populace. We are cut apart from each other. Innovations like drive-through windows, automated telemachines, and e-commerce, it's no wonder we've become an isolated society. So loneliness was the first recorded problem in the Bible. You'll remember Adam was lonely, so God created someone to take away his loneliness. Albert Einstein, the world-famous physicist, said right before his death, it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. Everybody knew his face. You know, you see the pictures of the wild hair. So he said, everybody knows me, but I'm lonely because no one was close to him. According to Gallup, another poll taker, the internet seems to be breaking apart families. Symptoms of social isolation, depression, and loneliness are increasing in psychologists and psychiatrists' offices across the nation. A Barna survey found that 25% of Americans, one out of four, report they feel lonely every day at at least for a certain time. The next generation is growing up with a secular worldview that tells them that the meaning of life is found in discovering themselves. Well, those of us that are a little older have found ourselves, and guess what? It's not that interesting. It's God that brings meaning to who you are. You don't have it innately, but God gives you 
It's gifts that will be developed if you'll let him. Well, maybe you're lonely today. Pastor Ed Ray will share more about how to beat this common struggle in the second half of today's message on Grow in Grace. We're in John chapter 15. 25 million Americans live alone. Doesn't matter your age, from children all the way, elderly people. 22% of people who ate dinner last night ate alone. This is a real problem in our nation. Jesus is offering the solution to it. It's not counseling that you need. He's saying that his love in us becomes a motivating force for us to be helpful to other people, which then creates friendship. Oh, oh, it costs you something. Wishing the highest good for the other person, taking that selfishness out of the equation, well, all of a sudden, if I help somebody, God might bless my life. Now, that's not to say there isn't any byproduct from it. There are. There's some wonderful byproducts. He says, the way to start is sacrifice. Oh, that's a tough place to start, Pastor. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this. Greater agape, selfless love, has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. The greatest test of love. The highest plane of friendship. So, this is scary. I have to lay, am I going to die for my friends? Well, yes, but most of the time, it's not physical death. It's death to your own goals, aspirations, what you want out of life. At the end of Charles Dickens' story, The Tale of Two Cities, set in the French Revolution in the 1700s, 1789, one character, the first friend he was called, broke his way into the Bastille, which was a prison. Now, the French Revolution was this convulsion of, of guillotine, capital punishment for anyone that opposed the revolution. It was the first world introduction to socialism. Whoops, did I say that? And it was. And so this first friend broke into the Bastille to let out someone he knew that had a wife and children. He broke him out to change places with him. And when the time came for him to be killed, they took this guy who had broken in. And he said this, it is a far greater thing that I do than I've ever done before in my life. His quest to help this man brought meaning, purpose to his life. So, give your life away. That's what Jesus is saying. We're wired to hold on, but God is saying, let go. Wishing the highest good, desiring the highest good for the other person is expensive, but the rewards are eternal. Okay. Romans 5, 7. Surely, indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. While we were 
fighting against God. There are many kinds of love in this world, but he's talking about a very specific one, giving your life away to somebody else for their good. A few weeks ago, a hero of the faith that most of us know as Brother Andrew passed away. He actually spoken at this church before. Andrew was a Dutchman who smuggled Bibles into Eastern Europe and then into Asia and then all over the world. And a fascinating man, very quiet, very humble. And he impacted my life and my wife's very deeply. In 1974, which was a gazillion years ago, in 1974, Ray Lynn and I took our six-month-old infant daughter, Jen, to Europe and then to smuggle Bibles into Eastern Europe. The first city we smuggled Bibles into was the city that was in the news again this morning. It's called Kiev today, then it was called Kiev, and it was in the Soviet Union in those days. Now it's part of its own independent country. So we went to a little Baptist church there, and we took Bibles. Why? Why would you endanger your family and go into a nation that hated God? and bring Bibles to them, because they couldn't get any Bibles. You got saved in Kiev. They couldn't give you a Bible because they weren't available. And suddenly they were, and the church exploded. God took a simple act of obedience, laid down your life for a friend. Didn't cost us our life, but it did open us up to a whole bunch of things we had never considered before. Three years later, when our daughter was three and a half years old, our last trip behind the Iron Curtain was into a city called Budapest. We know it today. Hungary. Then it was a solid communist country, Iron Curtain country. Well, we took the Bibles there because we couldn't get into Russia by that time. It was, they knew us. <laughs> they had pictures. And so we took the Bibles to a little church in downtown Budapest, and we dropped the Bibles off there. Aunt Jen, who was three and a half years old, at the service, they asked the little girl to sing. So she sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. And they pinched her cheeks and all that sort of stuff. 25 years later, the high school pastor from this church stole her away from Raylan and I <laughs> and took her to Hungary and started a church one block from the little church that she had sung in when she was three and a half years old. Does God have a plan? Does he do things interesting? A few years after that, my crazy wife, I mean Raylin, my wife. <laughs> By that time, we'd had a second daughter, Wendy. She took both of them into China with hundreds of Bibles in backpacks on my two daughters' back and her with her luggage. Why would she do that? 
that you might love one another because you couldn't buy a Bible at any price in China. So the story continues. And uh, not long after that, crazy Pastor Bob and I, you know him as Pastor Bob, we went to Burma and we carried in Bibles, not just Bibles, we brought the entire teaching tapes from Genesis to Revelation of Pastor Chuck Smith into an illegal school in Burma and left them there and they're still there to this day. Why? A few years ago, I went to a Muslim country to speak at a pastor's conference, but it was an unusual pastor's conference. It was filled with 126 Iranian pastors from Tehran, the capital city of Iran. And we took them Bibles, computers, stuff. Why? That you would love one another. Now, there's a bunch of people in this church Two ministries every month go down to Mexico. And some of you have gone down to the battered woman shelter that you go to and you minister to the women and then their children. And others of you, I see some of you here, use your pickup truck to haul food, diapers, and dried milk down to more than 10 orphanages that are filled with handicapped kids that wouldn't get any food unless you took it to them. Why? Do you know those kids? Not a one. Do you know those battered women? No, not a one. They don't even go to this church and we still help them. What's up with that? Love one another as I have loved you. First principle, sacrifice. Second principle, submission. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Command, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he told the rich young ruler. He said, hey, well, what's the commandments? He says, it's all summed up in this. Deuteronomy 6, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? That's a lot of different people. You see, we're going to have to serve somebody. Bob Dylan had it right. You have to either serve hell or serve heaven. You got to serve Satan or you got to serve Jesus. Which one will you serve? Or are you a slave and you're happy that way? So I'm not a slave, I'm an American, I'm free. <laughs> Millions of Americans are slaves to drugs. Millions of Americans are slaves to alcohol, to gambling, to pornography, on and on the list goes. That's slavery. And Jesus set you free. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org you'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. 
You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your